Hi, and welcome to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, I'm really excited to bring you a conversation from last year's Rise Up Summit, which if you have not signed up yet for this year's summit, you are not going to want to miss it. It's going to be an awesome time to come together and to encourage each other. You're going to be uplifted. You're going to get practical ideas for how to navigate this crazy year that we're in the middle of, and you're just going to be really encouraged by being together with so many different Christian educators. And so check out the information and sign up. It's completely free, but you need to register at riseupchristianeducators.com, riseupchristianeducators.com. So anyhow, this session is from last year's summit, and it's with Jen Bangle from Out of This World Literacy, and she talks about how to create reading workshops or writing workshops in your class. Now, obviously, since we recorded this last year, it was pre-COVID, but as I was going back through it, I was realizing this is incredibly relevant for this year, no matter what you're facing. So please don't think, oh, I'm social distancing, or I'm online, or I'm in hybrid. This is an excellent model that can be easily adapted to all of these scenarios, okay? So it's a very simple four-part framework that she talks about that, like I said, it trans I, it would translate really well online. Um, it will translate to, you know, hybrid models. You can do it with social distancing. It really works well, I think, for this year. And so that's why I was really excited to share it with you. So I'm going to play that conversation now. Hi, this is Linda Kodamus with Teach for the Heart. And I'm here today with Jen Bangle of Out of This World Literacy. Thank you so much for being here, Jen. Thank you for having me today, Linda. I'm super excited. And we're so glad to be talking about how to do reading workshops, and hopefully we'll get a time to talk a little bit about writing as well. Yes, absolutely. Can you tell us real quick before we dive into the content, can you tell me just a little bit about yourself and what you're doing at Out of This World Literacy? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I started Out of This World Literacy in 2012. I was working as a literacy coach in a school. Um, I've taught grades three, four, five, and six, and I have a graduate degree in literacy and a postgraduate degree as a literacy collaborative coordinator. So I kind of transitioned from teaching students to teaching other teachers. So professional development is really one of my favorite things, but I also write curriculum for literacy, all literacy instruction, mostly grades two through six. That's awesome. And today, if I'm right, we're going to be talking about these concepts that we're talking about. Your resources are focused on 236, but you can use these all the way through middle school and high school, right? Absolutely. I encourage middle school teachers and high school teachers to use the workshop framework too, because it's just so great for kids. Yes. I'm so excited about this. So in a nutshell, what is a reading or a writing workshop? That's a great question. So it's basically just a teaching style that allows for a lot of different interactions to happen during that 45 or 60 minutes that you have with your kids for reading or for writing. The kids are working really actively participating. So it's not just the teacher that has all the set of instructions and is giving it to the students and their job is to follow directions. They're actually really actively involved in the And there's also a lot of independent practice going on, and there's collaboration at the end with a share activity too. So it's very much designed in the way that kids need to learn, and they can retain the information a lot more that way. Okay, so you already started to answer this question, but can you share a little bit more about why do these workshops work so well? If a teacher's never done one before, why should they consider doing one? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I have so many reasons. So I'll just touch on a few because I have, uh, I'm very passionate about the workshop framework. I'm actually trained with Irene Fountas in Boston. So I learned a lot from her as well. But one of the big things is it offers genuine conversation between students and also between the teachers. So there's this shared type of learning community where everyone has something important to say and that is valued and respected throughout the community. It's like I said, it's not just the teacher that has all the knowledge and the student's job to learn. The students have knowledge too, and they get to share that with each other in the workshop framework. Um, It's also really great for differentiation because what you're going to be doing is you're going to be teaching your whole group standards-based skill for your grade level, but then inside the workshop, you're actually going to be differentiating meeting students at their instructional levels, both one-on-one and in small group formats. So they're actually able to apply the standards-based grade level skill into books that they're reading at their independent level. So it's like a double whammy of greatness there. Um, Everyone, like I said, is actively engaged and there's a lot of high levels of expectation that are going on too. So it's good. That's awesome. So I'm so excited to get into the nitty gritty. What are the actual parts of a reading workshop? If I'm wanting to set this up in my classroom, how would I do that? Yeah, well, the good news is there's only four parts. So, And those four parts are consistent every single day. Of course, the topics and the content you do inside of those four parts is different every day. But you're going to be really consistent with a well-oiled machine of routines and expectations if you just follow the same four parts. So for reading, you start out with a book talk, which is usually just one or two minutes, but it's a really powerful thing to do. And then the second step in the workshop for reading is a mini lesson. And that's usually about 10 or 12 minutes long. That's your whole group instruction where you're hitting those standards that you need to teach your kids. And after the the mini lesson, then you have an independent time. And depending how much time you have for reading workshop, this could be 20 minutes, this might be 30 minutes. It really depends on if you have an hour block or 45 minutes. This is where the kids are reading independently, books that they've chosen to read. And there's all kinds of other things going on during that time that we can talk about too. And then the last step in the workshop is a share time. And this is usually about five or 10 minutes. It's not very long, but it's the most powerful, I think, one of the most powerful steps and really just wraps everything up as what the kids are doing during that time together. So it's the book talk, mini lesson, independent time, and the share. Okay, awesome. So let's take them one by one. The okay. book talk, um, what, is, what does that look like? How would you set that up? Yeah, so the book talk you can think of is like a, a movie trailer for books or a book commercial. So what you're doing is you're pulling books from either your classroom library or your school library that you know your kids would be really interested in reading, but maybe they didn't even know existed and they, they didn't even know they could actually read those books. And you basically have all the kids together and you say, I'm going to share a book with you that we have available for you to read and you might want to check it out. It's called blah, blah, blah. And it's about whatever, whatever. And you kind of tease them about what the story is or the nonfiction piece. And then what I did was I had a bin in my classroom library that just was labeled book talk bins. And anytime I finished doing a book talk, I'd stick that book in the bin. And it was always snatched up by the end of that workshop because kids were like, oh, I want to read that. It's a great way too, as a teacher, for if you notice your kids are only reading in one genre, to introduce them to a different genre. So if they're always reading fictional stories, you might want to start doing some book talks about some nonfiction things you have. 
to get them excited about reading more nonfiction. Another thing that's really fun that you can do with book talks is you can encourage your students to host their own book talk for their class. Because remember, the workshop framework is not about the teacher having all the answers. It's about really elevating the kids to take the leadership role in their learning as well. So what I do is I always encourage them when you finish reading a book, I encourage you to sign up for a book talk. And I have a little sign up sheet. So every day there's a space for one person to sign up. And if someone signed up for that day, they can take over the book talk. And if not, I'll just do a book talk with a different book too. So it's just a really great way to expose kids to more different types of genres of books that they never really would think about and to give them an opportunity to be a leader in the classroom too. So that's awesome. So this is just a couple minutes. It's really quick, but the goal is to just kind of whet kids' appetite, introduce them to different books, and then they get to pick, right? So throughout the year, they can go back and say, oh, that one looked interesting. I remember that one. And just, it's just for their own benefit and their own interest, right? Exactly. And once you get to know your kids and their interests as well, a little bit more throughout the year, you can say, hey, um, I know you read that book. I think uh, so-and-so would be interested in too. Do you want to do a book talk? So you kind of get them to start sharing um, recommendations for books with each other too. That's awesome. Okay. Anything else for the book talk? Um, No, it's just really fun. Some people tend to skip it because it's so short, but it really has a, a big, powerful impact. So I do recommend doing it. You don't have to do it every single day. Um, but if you try and do a book talk, like at least three times a week, I think it's really important. Yeah. Just keeping those in front of the yeah. kids on a regular yeah. basis. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. And then the next part. Yes. The next step is the mini lesson, which like I said, is your whole group skill that you're going to be working on with your students. So what I to do was I like to transition my kids outside of their desks and move them to like a carpeted area, let's say in the back of the room or something. We called it a squircle. A squircle is like a square slash circle. <laughs> great. So they came to the carpet with their notebooks, their reader's notebooks, and they were ready to go. And when we sat in the squircle, everyone could see each other. Everyone was equal. We could all have easy conversations with each other. So we sat in squircles and I prepared the anchor chart in advance, which saved me a good five minutes because sometimes keeping a mini lesson 12 minutes is really hard. So one thing I learned a trick was to just write everything that I could in advance. So I would write the mini lesson statement on the anchor chart. I'm old school. I like the paper because I like to leave it up and visible sometimes for several days. So we'll have the statement at the top. And then the first step in the mini lesson is for me to model the skill, whatever it is. So I'll complete that first example in advance And I'll just cover it up with another piece of anchor chart paper. So the kids don't need to see me writing my example on the chart. This saves me a good five minutes right there. So I just have that covered up. And if I'm working with multiple classes, like if you teach sixth grade and you're teaching reading three or four times a day, you can just cover up what the first class said and just redo the second and third example. So you don't have to rewrite your anchor chart for every class. That's what I did when I taught sixth grade too. So the mini lesson is basically you have a statement that's a narrowed down focused skill. So it's not just you're talking about summarizing in general. You're really honing in on what angle of summarizing. A lot of mistakes that teachers make is they make their mini lesson statement too broad. And that's why their lesson is 20 or 30 minutes long. You really want to think about how can I narrow this down into a more targeted focused angle. So instead of just talking about summarizing, you might talk about how Readers identify the main idea and use that to start their summary. That's a much more angled down topic that kids can really grasp on and take to a mastery level instead of just, we're talking about summarizing. And so 
what you do then is you pick mentor texts. These are books that you've already read to your class. It could be a picture book or a chapter book or a passage, anything really. And that's what you're going to use as your example when you go through the skill. So if it's summarizing and finding the main idea and making a statement, a summarizing statement, you would already have that with your first example. And then the second step is you invite the kids to help you with a second mentor text to find another main idea and write that summary statement. And then the third example, as you scaffold the learning in the mini lesson, is the kids are actually turning and talking with a partner about a third mentor text. They're going to identify in this example, they would identify the main idea, and then they would try and come up with a statement that might start their summary. So they will do that with a partner. And as they're sharing with partners, I'm listening in, I'm seeing who's who's really on task, who's not really understanding, who might I need to pull for a strategy group right away, or who might I need to conference with, and who do I think like is really got this and is going to do a great job independently. So the learning in the mini lesson is quick. It's direct. It's very explicit. It's very narrowed down and it's scaffold from the I do, we do, you do kind of thing all in 12 minutes. <laughs> it's really, really powerful. And yeah. That, yeah. That's the mini lesson. Okay. So you are picking a very narrow topic. So if you're wanting to work on summarizing, that might be like a week of mini lessons, right? Like in just one quick thing each time. Yeah. Is that, is that my understanding that right? Yes, actually, that's exactly what I do. So I have many units for mastery and each comprehension skill has five lessons. So like if you're working on inferencing, you would have five different narrow down angles for teaching inferencing. So you're not trying to teach this big topic in 12 minutes. You know, it's, it's much more explicit. Yeah. Right. And so this is very doable. You just have this one narrow thing you want them to do. You, you teach it real quick. You do an example. You do one together and then they do one. And then that's, is that basically the end of the mini lesson? Right. That's the end of the mini lesson. And then you're going to transition them into their independent time, which during that time, then you're going to ask them to read the books that they're reading independently and try then the skill. So you're going to have them try and find the main idea and try and write a summary sentence for that main idea. And it doesn't matter what book they're reading because every book has a main idea. It could be fiction or nonfiction. So the whole idea here is you're teaching this whole group skill that's standards-based, and then they get to try it out independently immediately after the lesson with books that they're reading that they've chosen on their own. I love that. So they get to, they're picking whatever book they want to read, whether it's a book they want to read just from their own library, from your library, from home, and they're applying the skill to that. Am I understanding that? Absolutely. That's yeah. so powerful. <laughs> and I'm, a big, I'm a big believer in keeping the levels of books behind the scenes. I don't believe that kids are levels. Books are levels for our instructional use. So I don't really like leveling a classroom library and limiting kids by saying, you know, you can only get the book with the red stickers on it. And what if they really wanted to read the green sticker book, you know, like let them read the book, uh, teach them how to choose books that are just right for them. Teach them how to have that autonomy don't just limit them. So I, I work on that a lot at the beginning of the year too. Uh, but then they get to pick the books that they're excited about. And that just creates this lifelong love of learning and reading as well too, I think. I love that so much. That's so great. What else is happening um, during this independent reading time? And are they writing this in their notebook? Oh my gosh, so much is happening. Okay. <laughs> 
So let me just say, first of all, that there's no like one right way that everything should be happening. It's not like math where two plus two is always four. (laughs) It totally can depend on the day, on the topic you're working on. And sometimes what they're doing independently doesn't always match exactly what the mini lesson was. And that's okay too. I want to say that Uh, a lot of times it does, but it doesn't always have to. Uh, So what the kids are doing is I'm a big believer in giving them time to actually read. And all of the research says that in order to be a better reader, you need to spend time reading. (laughs) So the, the first and foremost thing they're doing during this time, say we have 20 minutes, for example, the first 15 minutes, a lot of the kids are either spending time reading independently. They might be reading with partners. They may be um, reading in a small group with me, like a guided reading or a strategy group. They may be in a literature circle where they're talking about their reading. They also may be responding to their reading in a written format. So everything is kind of circling around that reading. We're not really doing like um, worksheet stations or anything. We're really working on spending time reading. And then when we have about five or six minutes left before the share time, I usually announce to the whole class something like, okay, boys and girls, we're going to be sharing soon. So now's the time where if you haven't written anything down yet, if you haven't, in our example, if you haven't identified your main idea from your story or your text that you're reading, now is the time to do that because we're going to be sharing that in the share. So they can respond in different ways. They Maybe they have a graphic organizer. Um, they may have like a half sheet. I call them think marks and they'll, they'll put those in their books or they may be responding in their reader's notebook too. So they can respond in written format in a couple of different ways, but those are the three big way. So with like five or six minutes left, I remind them. Some of them have already finished doing that and they're still reading. Others are like, oh, yep, I got to do that. And <laughs> because, because they're held accountable in the share, everyone has to have that that written down. So, Okay. So yeah, if you're really into your book and you're just that, that kind yeah, of gives you right? your stop actually reading and, and now think yep. about that makes sense. Just a little reminder. Yeah. I don't ever want to interrupt their, their thinking about the text as a whole too much during that time, but I'm always kind of like, Hey, just a little reminder, <laughs> you know, you might be getting to the time you need to write something down. So gotcha. Now during this time, do you do like individual student conferences while the yes. rest of the class is doing this? Yeah. So I was going to talk about that too. So reading conferences are so great. I absolutely love them because They offer an opportunity for a teacher to quickly check in, set goals, hold kids accountable for the books that they're reading and measure their progress too. So I do reading conferences during this independent time. Oftentimes what it'll look like is it might be right after I send them back to start working. If I notice there's going to be a couple of kids that just are not going to get started right away, I'm going to meet with them right away in a conference before I pull a small group. And I can tell that when they're talking with their partners in that last example in the mini lesson, I can notice, okay, I need to go see Brandon because he's clearly not going to know what to do here. Or I know he's struggling with the book he's reading. I, I want to do a little quick conference with him. So I might do one, maybe two, and then I'll pull a group. And and during my small group, I might actually leave the guided reading table when they're working on a task and see one other student too. Or in between, if I pull two groups, I'll see a student that way. My goal is always to see three a day. And if you have a class of 30 students, you can get to them every couple of weeks. So if you're getting to each student every two or three weeks, that's really good. Um, And I actually have a form. It's in the free download that we'll talk about later. But I have a form that I follow to keep me focused because I want my conference to be only three to five minutes. I don't want to interrupt my students thinking too much by making this a whole 
full-blown lesson for them. I just want to kind of get a snapshot into what they're doing. And for those kids who seem to read the same book from like September till December, they're still reading that same chapter book. And you're like, what are you doing? You can really hold them accountable with conferencing too and help them envision like what they're planning to read next too. So conferences are great. I love them. (laughs) And then you mentioned that you're also doing small group. Is the small group doing something different than the the individual, you know, group time? Yeah. So that's a great question because they can and that maybe not. So sometimes when I pull a small guided reading group or a small strategy group, the strategy group might be kids from different instructional levels, but they're all struggling with one skill. So maybe they're all having a hard time with summarizing. They can be reading different books in that strategy group. They can bring their independent books. And then we talk about kind of that skill and I do a little reteaching of the mini lesson. If it's a guided reading group, it's usually kids that are all within an instructional level range and we're working on a separate book and we're usually doing a different lesson in guided reading than we did in the whole group lesson. So it it can look a little bit different each time too. So if a teacher's just getting started with this, they can use, can they use small groups as little or as much as they want? Is it just whenever you feel like I want to do this with a group or this is maybe these students are deficient in the skill. It's just, you have the freedom to use it however you want. Is that, I, yeah, I, well, I always say that as a teacher, the best resource that you have in your classroom is you <laughs> because the textbook doesn't know your students. They, they don't hear what happened that weekend or a scripted program can't give them a hug. You know, you know, your kids. So I always say, let the kids lead what you're going to do. So if you notice during the small or during your mini lesson, if you notice during the, I do, we do, you do part during that, you do. There's a group of four kids that don't seem to have any clue what you just talked about during your mini lesson. I would pull them. I wouldn't try and see them one at a time. I would pull them all four in a group right away. So you kind of just trial and error. I always say teaching is like a GPS. You're always recalculating. <laughs> you the wrong way. It's like recalculate. And if you just didn't get it right that day, it's okay. You know, everybody's going to be okay. You can go the next day and give it another try. Uh, I think the biggest thing is just to continue trying. So let your kids kind of lead, trust your instincts on what you see that they need help with, and then you can pull there. But with guided reading, um, you can't, the other thing too, is if you're just starting out, you really can't be an expert at everything right away. If you have been doing the workshop model for a while, you can go to the next level of things. And guided reading really is that small group next level where you have a prepared lesson in advance. You have a plan to meet those kids that you want to see during the independent time too. And you have a lot of resources to help with that, right? Yes. I actually have guided reading lessons from level A all the way to Z. (laughs) So I have all the levels because I believe guided reading works for all grade levels too. It really, it's actually been around since the 1950s. So (laughs) anything that's stuck in education since the 1950s is probably a good teaching style to use. So that's kind of what's happened inside of guided reading has evolved since the 1950s, but that small group practice time is still here and very much alive in the classrooms because it's really, really effective. That's awesome. Okay. So if you want, if you want to do this, but you feel lost and need help, check out Jen's resources. They're awesome. Okay. I'm sure we could stay here forever, but let's talk about the last section, which is share time, right? Yes. So the share time is great because this it's fun because all of the kids get to come back to the squircle 
or the carpeted area or whatever you have. And they turn and they talk with a partner about what they wrote down. So again, in our example, we're all trying to identify the main idea in whatever book we're reading and then try and write a first sentence for a summary. The kids would then turn and talk with a partner and it can be someone different that they talk to during the mini lesson to let them encourage them to mix where they sit. And they just basically share what they worked on during reading. And this takes one or two minutes. And again, during this one or two minutes, I am like looking, you know, <laughs> who's not, who's not listening, who's not sharing. And of course we practice this at the beginning of the year. So they, I don't just say you're going to turn and talk, you know, we spend a, an entire month setting up our routines and expectations. So they know what to do. So they turn and they talk with a partner. And then after about two minutes, I bring the whole class together and I ask a couple of students to tell me what they said with their partner. By doing it this way, everyone gets a chance to talk. And then we highlight a couple of kids in the class. And I'll write down some of the things that they say and put it on an anchor chart. Another thing I do is I do take notes during the share time. I actually use um, those Avery sticky labels. If you get the two by four size, there's 10 little sticky labels on each sheet. And what I do is at the beginning of the week, I'll take three sheets. If I have 30 kids, that gives me a sticky label for each kid. And I'll write their name at the top of each label. And I'll just put that on my clipboard. And then during the share, when I call on those three or four kids to share, I write down what they say. And then... I take at the end of the week, I have this anecdotal binder and in the binder, I have a tab for every student and I just use cardstock in between. And at the end of the week, I take their sticky label off and I put it on the piece of cardstock. So then after like a month, I've got this list of things that Joey said in the reading workshop. I can bring this to the IEP meetings, the data team meetings, parent teacher conferences. And it really helps me to see a pattern of what they're thinking and even more importantly, what they're not thinking, because then I can start using that for my future instruction. But I tell the kids, I say, hey, I'm going to take notes <laughs> while you're sharing, because I don't want to forget what you have to say. I think what you're saying is so important. And I think maybe you can teach me something about reading, too. So I'm going to write down what you say, because I really want to remember it. And boy, when I do that, they're like, <laughs> I better like, say something good, right? <laughs> giving me just like superficial answers here. They're giving me like their best answers. And that's really, really fun too. Yeah, so that's, that's a cool share. That's powerful for so many reasons. You're, yeah, you're having the data, you're in, in motivating them. And you're also making sure you call on different people every day, right? I'd imagine once you yeah. fill them up, you, you start over, yeah. right? Yeah, because I, I put every student's name on a sticky label. So then like on Tuesday, I know oh, I already called on so-and-so on Monday because I had filled in whatever notes I wrote. So by the end of the week, I try and get to everybody at one time. So each week, it's really fun too. I don't know, it's something rewarding about yeah. pulling the sticky labels off and putting them in their <laughs> little cardstock. And I do that for writing workshop too. So I just have a different color cardstock. So I might have like pink for writing workshop and green for reading workshop. And so I just stick their notes in there for both the workshops too. And it's fun. That's awesome. And we're going to talk about writing shops workshops a little bit in just a second, but I had a question first. Do yeah. you grade, do you grade any of this or? Great question. So for, <laughs> for reading workshop, and again, there could, this is the way, what worked for me was I would grade two things a week. That's kind of what I had to do. So the, what I would grade would be either that think mark or that graphic organizer, or if they wrote in their notebook. I would grade two of those each week. I didn't grade all of them. I didn't have to because the goal of what we were doing wasn't to get a grade. It was to become a better reader. So because I have to take grades because I'm a 
teacher, <laughs> I would I would pull two of those graphic organizers each week to get a grade from them. Okay. Yeah. So you're just, you're not telling them, I did this a lot in math too. You're not telling them, you just ran, you kind of randomly choose what you're going to collect and grade and yeah. just, yeah. Absolutely. And in the mini lesson, I should say really quickly, it has two parts. It has the objective, but it also has the why. Why are we doing this? Because I really believe in teaching kids to understand the reasons behind why we're doing things. I don't just tell them we're doing this because I told you so. I want them to be motivated to understand, well, why should we learn how to write a summary? Well, we want to be able to tell our friends about different books, right? And that's our why. So when they understand it's not just because Mrs. Bengal told me so that I had to do this. They really understand the reason why they're so much more motivated and the work that they do when they respond in written form is, is really at a higher level. So yeah, I'm, I'm grading two random each week that I see them complete. Awesome. Okay. Anything, I, I know you, you have a million things, but anything else that you really think <laughs> you want to share on uh, the reading workshop? I know it's so hard because like, I could talk for days about the workshop. So I'm trying to like, you you have some great training. So we'll link to your website if people want to go into more detail, but yeah, no, I think, I think that's good. I think just the biggest thing is to remember when you do use reading workshops that don't be too hard on yourself if you don't get it right every time, but also just think about the fact that you're building not only really strong readers, but you're really helping them build their critical thinking skills that they can apply to their entire life, like forever. So the reading workshop is just so much bigger than just teaching reading. Just think about it that way. I guess I would leave it at. And I, I love this so much. I was just thinking actually, as you were talking, my son just is just going into first grade this year. So he's just learning to read and kind of figuring out, you know, do I want to read on my own and all that. And I think back to when I was in school, reading class was like, you sit and read the same book out loud. And I love to read, but it was like the most boring class ever. Uh And this model makes me feel like, yes, this would help my, I know Clayton would love, he would love it. He would learn to read. So I don't know. I think it's great. And I hope, I hope this inspires a lot of teachers to try it out. So (laughs) So, we don't have a ton of time left, but can you share just a little bit about writing workshops? Cause you say they work really well together, right? Yes. So I'll just go over the steps and then I'll explain how they're connected really quickly if that works. Yep. Okay. So the steps in writing workshop, there's actually one extra step. It's pretty similar though. In the writing workshop, you have a writer's talk. So instead of a book talk, a writer's talk, which is one or two minutes. And that's basically advice from another author to the kids. They can give each other advice. You can find YouTube videos, reading Rockets is a great place to get little two-minute videos of advice from authors to young writers, which is really great. So it's a writer's talk. And then the mini lesson, which follows the exact same framework of the writing or the reading workshop, where you have the I do, we do, you do, and the mini lesson statement and all that good stuff. And then the third step is a tiny like two-minute thing that you're going to do right after the mini lesson. It's called the status of the class. And that's where you're going to call on each student one at a time and find out what they're going to work on as a writer before they head to their desk. And you write that down on a piece of paper. And that tells you exactly who's going to go back ready to write and who's going to go back needing a writing conference or a small group in writing right away. So that status of the class is super powerful. And then, oh yeah, you want to ask me something? Yeah. So I just, that status of the class, do they do that out loud real quick? Yeah. So this is what I'll do real quick around. Yeah. So for example, if we're in a personal narrative unit and they're writing a personal narrative story and they're trying to like, they're doing pre-writing and they're trying to 
come up with ideas of what they're going to write. I'll just call them out individually. And I have the class list on one page and I'll just say, okay, Sarah, what are you going to write about? I'm going to write about the time I broke my arm. Okay, great. Make sure you add details about how you felt. Go get started. And then I'll just give them a little tip like that. You know, like Marcus, what are you going to do? And Marcus might say, I don't know. I'm like, okay, I see that you might need a little bit of help. That's fine. Go ahead and start a fresh page in your notebook and title it my memories and see if you can get started. But I'm going to come see you right away too. Go ahead. And I let them know, like I'm coming for you, you know? (laughs) And so each kid, I know exactly, and it takes 10 seconds a kid, but I know exactly what they're going to do. It's like a check. I know what they're going to do with regard to writing. Because so many times, writing's tough. Writing is hard. It's my favorite, (laughs) my favorite to teach, but it's so hard. And kids sometimes need a lot more support with writing. So I like that status of the class because I can, I can know who, who's going to need help and who's not. And they get to verbalize what they're doing. So they, they really know, you know, what they're going to do when they get back. So yeah. that's, yeah. And then the independent time, and that can depend on how much time you have for writing. It also depends on how much stamina your kids have to write. If they can only write for five minutes at the beginning of the year, that's okay. You'll work on building that stamina, but you want to get up to 15 or 20 minutes in writing. They'll write their stories or nonfiction pieces independently that you modeled in the mini lesson. And then you'll be conferencing one-on-one or even pulling a guided writing group. Say you saw four or five kids in the status of the class that are not going to get started right away. Just pull them all at once. Don't see them one at a time. You know, things like that. And then the share. The last step is the share at the end where they bring their writing back, whether it's pre-writing or rough drafts or final copies. And they share something they worked on as a writer with their partner. And then a few share with the whole class and I write their notes down. So it's really seamlessly connected okay. to the reading workshop. Yeah. Awesome. And you, so, so yeah, so it's really the same framework. You're just adding in that piece and then using yeah. it with writing. I love that. So the kids really get used to the structure then. Yes. And what makes it super powerful is writing is really difficult. It really is hard. So if you're in a personal narrative unit in your reading workshop, Your lesson might be how readers identify small moments full of emotion in a personal narrative so that they can make connections to those moments. And then you do that whole reading workshop with that narrowed down mini lesson. And then in writing, you're going to take it to a higher level where they're going to apply it. So now they identified, which is a lower level scale, small moments in other books they've read. Now they're going to apply by actually making a list of their own small moments in their life that are full of lots of emotion. So when you have that reading foundation set and then you go into writing, there's a lot more success with writing. And I will say too, to have your kids be successful as writers, you need to be writing alongside them. So if you're in a personal narrative unit, you need to be writing a personal narrative story as well. And you can cheat. You can use the same story year after year, (laughs) but you really You really have to model what it means to be a lifelong writer. And if you're not writing alongside your kids, it's going to be really hard for them. They, you, you have to be writing with them. So that's my big thing on writing. Wow. (laughs) That's a great tip. Um, That makes so much sense. And in your class, did you typically do one of these each day or did it just depend on the schedule? So I, scheduling is one of the biggest questions I get all the time. So I had the dream because I was, um, I was training with Irene Fountas and our school was a literacy collaborative school. So we had the best schedule. We had a three hour block. So we had an hour for a reading workshop, an hour for a writing workshop, and an hour for language, which we did our spelling and vocabulary and all that in. So it was ideal. Um, but 
there are things that you can do to, to get around the scheduling help. If you only have 45 minutes for a workshop time, you can do everything in 45 minutes. Less than that would be really hard. But some of the things you can do is you can make an A-B schedule. Another thing is maybe you have this 15 minutes of time and then the kids go to gym class and then they come back. Well, you could do the first two steps of say your writing workshop, have them go to gym class. And when they come back, they know to get started right away on their independent writing time. So if you don't have a pretty 45 or 60 minute open window, you can split the workshop up. So do your book talk maybe and your reading uh, mini lesson and then tell them when you come back, you're going to get started reading right away. And this is who I'm going to see in a small group and you can do it that way too. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Oh, this is, this is great. We could ask a million questions, but we don't want this to last forever. So where can people get more help from you and, um, and, and check out your resources? That's a great question. So I put together actually a 45 page freebie that has tips on grading, has grading rubrics. It has all of my reading conference forms, all of my notes that I kind of covered for today. So if you're interested in learning more about the workshop, definitely start by going there. And actually you can go to outofthisworldliteracy.com forward slash summit freebie. That's where we'll you can get it. We'll link to it right underneath. So outofthisworldliteracy.com forward slash summit freebie. And awesome. that's where you can go to get the 45 page free download and you can connect with me there too. So. That's it. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And like I said, get definitely that freebie. I'm so excited that Jen's sharing that with you. So check that out. And um, she has so many other great trainings over there if you want to dive further into this topic. Any final words of encouragement for us? Uh, just take it one day at a time and don't beat yourself up if you don't get it right right away. It took me years and years and years to get to, you know, to an understanding like this. So just pick one area and focus on that and get really good at that. And then move to the next area and focus on that. Don't try and do it all at once. You'll, you'll be overwhelmed. <laughs> Great advice. Well, thank <laughs> yeah. you again so much. Thank you, Linda. <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Jen. Her energy and excitement is just so infectious. And I hope that you have come up with some practical ideas that you can implement in your classroom. If you would like the links to anything that we mentioned in this episode, head to teachfortheheart.com slash 153. That's teachfortheheart.com slash 153. That's this episode's number uh, to get any of those links and resources that we mentioned. There's lots of um, things Jen has put together a download for you that you guys can download that'll really help you um, implement some of these strategies. So once again, that's at teachfortheheart.com slash 153. I also want to invite you guys once again to the Rise Up Summit, our online conference for Christian educators happening October 23rd and 24th. We're so excited about this event. We're going to have live sessions on Friday evening and Saturday throughout the day, and then on-demand sessions available all throughout the long weekend. And if you enjoyed this session right here, this podcast episode, you're going to get a lot more similar to this, a lot of practical ideas, practical strategies that actually work in the classroom, as well well as encouragement, inspiration, and just being together, even though it's online, being together with hundreds and thousands of other Christian educators who share your calling and desire to make a difference in students' lives is really powerful and really a huge encouragement. At least that's what so many people told us last year. So I hope you won't miss it. I hope you'll join us. It's free, but you do need to register at riseupchristianeducators.com. That's riseupchristianeducators.com. 
And then please, we'd love your help sharing it, this event with your friends and colleagues. So once again, send them to riseupchristianeducators.com to register. Well, thank you guys again so much. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep trusting. You really are making a difference.